You're listening to Forecast, the marketing podcast for professional services leaders. If you're looking to generate more leads, win more deals, and take your firm to the next level, this show is your shortcut. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Ahmed Munawar, founder and chief marketing officer at Boutique Growth, where we help professional services firms generate more leads so they can win more business. I've got a great conversation for you here with Kristen Weitzel, who is the founder and CEO of Prowess, which is a marketing coaching firm for fitness and wellness brands. I absolutely love Kristen's story because she's built an amazing brand and prowess in a niche that she actually had no direct experience working in professionally, but she let her passion for the fitness and the wellness industry be her guide, and she's managed to build a really impressive business around it. A few things I want you to pay attention to here in this interview. The first is how Kristen went about combining her skills and marketing with her interest for the fitness and the wellness industry. Second is how she made a name for herself in the industry with no prior connections or relationships. And third, her process for working with new clients. I think you'll find it pretty counterintuitive, but for her, it works like magic. If you want to grab the show notes to this episode, you can head over to forecast.fm slash prowess. That's forecast.fm slash P-R-O-W-E-S-S. Before I let you go, if you haven't yet joined us inside our free course on the five P's of lead generation for professional services firms, you're going to want to check that out. Inside the course, you will get five videos over five days that I guarantee you will change the way that you think about marketing and lead generation. The course is 100% free of charge, and you can get access at 5leadgen.com. You can spell out five or use the number. Either one works. That's 5leadgen.com. And with that, here's Kristen. Hey, Kristen, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Yeah, absolutely, Ahmad. I'm happy to be here. So why don't you get us started by telling us the backstory behind Prowess and the work that you're doing over there? Prowess is my baby. I'm the founder of um, this marketing muscle for fitness company's brand, and I spent about 16 years in the marketing world working on brands uh, from a national perspective, but predominantly in the liquor, spirits, beverage, CPG, a little bit of lifestyle world. And while I loved it and got an opportunity to work with really big budgets and really visionary people, I sort of had set a goal for myself over the last couple of years of wanting to work with people in the wellness vertical and, and really how could I get a million people healthy. And so in order to get a million people healthy, I knew that just opening a fitness studio or just working with a few clients wasn't going to be able to get the reach I needed. So I, uh, in turn, took the opportunity to kick off prowess and take all my marketing knowledge, experience, background, um, an understanding of the lay of the land, albeit digital or brick and mortar advertising, and put it into prowess and the focus on the fitness and wellness segment. Um, and this way that I can touch every client and every client of mine touches, to, let's say, 10,000 people, then I can get to a million people getting healthy a lot faster. Did you have any existing connections in the fitness wellness industry before you made that leap? That's a great question. I always had a passion point, And while I was working all, on all of these big national um, and international spirits brands and beverage brands like kicking off Red Bull and whatnot, there were a couple things that interested me. I was teaching yoga regularly for about the last 10 years. I was taking, I was sort of what you'd say, 
a promiscuous fitness enthusiast. So by that, I mean, I just was living in New York City, traveling to LA all the time, traveling all around the country for work on these big brands. And every city I went, I would always know where the green juice bar was. And I'd know where all the, the latest craze fitness, group fitness classes were, trainers, what have you. And so I had this sort of passion of traveling around and fitness and wellness and uh, eating paleo and all of that. That just was the undercurrent of keeping me healthy on the road while I was managing all of these big brands. So, you know, I, I turned to the left and went, oh, here's this thing that's in my life already that I really, really love. And, you know, I liked working in spirits and, and beverage. And, and also with Red Bull, I must add, too, that their whole athlete profiling and, you know, all the experiential that they do with big athletes is also was super fascinating to me, right? So it was just sort of the thing that early on in my career sparked that fitness piece and just set me running. So walk me through how you make that leap, because to me, it sounds scary as hell, right? Because you (laughs) went from one industry where you had a ton of experience and a ton of relationships and connections, I would assume. And then you took the skill set that you had, and sure, the skill set is transferable, but you went into a new industry that you had a personal interest in, not a huge network in, not a lot of experience in as a marketing professional. How do you make that leap? Yeah, it definitely, it definitely was scary. And I had to, it, it, there is a leap of, an element of this leap of faith you have to take. But I firmly believe that, you know, we have one life and we got to dream as big as we can. And Exactly what you said is true. The skill set, I'd say that 65% of the skill set I have from just marketing as like a baseline was absolutely transferable, right? I was learning how to spend money. I was learning how to create budgets and follow them. I was learning how to do big TV commercials. And I was also learning how to do really, you know, let's just say more skeleton budget style social media, right? Because you needed some grassroots campaigning always to go along with these big brands. So that was transferable. But the big leap of faith was really committing to myself that I would be okay and approach anything I didn't know either in the vertical from a fitness standpoint or in digital that popped up in the fitness world that I would come to it with a beginner mindset, which is, you know, as you hit your thirties and as you're working for 15 years, it's, you don't get the opportunity to look at things with a beginner mindset very much anymore. And in many cases that feels daunting, but I think that Anyone who's starting out a business and who wants to sort of blast their growth in the right direction needs to look at their their new pitch, their new foray, whatever it might be, as an adventure. And that, like just shifting my mindset a little, like don't get me wrong, sometimes I'm up at, late at night trying to figure things out and I have frustration points like everyone else, but looking at it as an adventure and being okay with having a beginner's mind, I think really gave me just sort of the placement. And then secondarily, the other thing that really helped was Um, I came up to New Hampshire, which is where I spend two weeks a month. I'm up here with a fitness studio that I took over. And so when I first moved here, I thought there's all these students, there's this fitness studio for sale. I don't want the students to not to like lose the space they're doing their group fitness in. Let me take it over. Let me use it as a test bed. And let let me also keep, you know, a few hundred people healthy here in New Hampshire at the same time. So I'm putting on the shoes of the potential clients or clients that I have and understanding what they go through every day, which is, let me tell you, it was a big learning. And, you know, had to, when you get to walk in someone else's shoes and you can really talk about the challenges they face day to day, especially on much smaller budgets, it's a really nice bond you can build with the people you're working with. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, George Orwell had this famous empathy experiment where he went on the streets of, uh, he went and kind of like uh, disguised himself as a tramp on the streets of London and Paris. <laughs> and that was his, you know, he really wanted to experience what life was like for the downtrodden of society because he lived a very 
privileged lifestyle. And that became the inspiration for a number of his works. And I think that's a lot of us are missing that, right? Is well, we can't all own fitness studios and serve the fitness market, but you put yourself in the buyer's shoes, and that must have given you a wealth of insight as to what your customers are struggling with. Yeah, especially now when I have uh, there's one big, I wouldn't call it an objection necessarily to the work, but there's one the biggest challenge that a very I would say thirty forty percent of my clients face is. I have the skill and ability to lead and run and do the athletic part of my business, but it also wears me out. And they may or may not have a partner, whether they're solopreneurs or quite often they have a partner that's like a friend from school or their husband or someone who's on a little bit more on the business aspect of, of their work in the world, whether it be digital or brick and mortar. And we all have time challenges, but there's also like a time and I'm exhausted because I'm also right now you know, teaching seven classes a week or 20 classes a week I'm leading. And those owners, because they have the necessity of actually running the day-to-day business, are not only maybe mentally tired in some ways from doing the books and doing payroll, but they're also physically exhausted. And so jumping into a business of my own made me really see how that work-life balance is so important. Because if you don't have the time to do the work, even if I give you the exact prescription of what you need to do, here's the recipe, but you have to do five hours of this recipe to get it done. If you're too tired or you're just mentally wiped out, you can't. And so I learned that very quickly because I went from big corporate, working at you know, senior brand manager roles, director roles, director of operations roles, where I said, if I need my social media work handled, I go to my agency. You know, if I want my experiential event work done, I go to my agency, even if it's just one person who then creates that ripple effect to get the the work done over the course of a 30-day period. When you're a solopreneur or an entrepreneur, you certainly don't have that. And when you're in the fitness industry, even if you get seven hours of sleep, you're up at 6 a.m., you're working with clients, and by the time you have your own business time to work, you're you're pretty wiped out and you have to really push through. So tell me the story about how you went about, you know, building those relationships from scratch and building your network in the early days. The very first thing that I did that I think is really important to share with your listeners is I decided that I had a I mean I knew I had enough marketing background and I knew that I could teach fitness classes and I said, what's the best circuit for me to get out and speak? Right? And that in the beginning didn't matter if they paid a plane ticket or it was local or if they, you know, or, or, or whatever it was, they gave me a free ticket and they said, we'll give you a one night a hotel or what have you. If, even if they weren't paying me a fee in the beginning, because now when I travel far, I command a fee, but you go and you speak and you share the knowledge that you have with people because the best offering you can give people who are on the fence or just not ready to buy into whatever you have to offer, the best offering you can give them is giving them what what I call like their baseline, their baseline in whatever industry you're in. I can give you as much free advice and tutorials and, you know, things that I have a knowledge base around to walk you through just one topic at a time. And very often a conference or a speaking engagement or going to a, a local group that is focused on your area, right? You have to have your target consumer audience there. You can't be like speaking to finance guys if you're trying to sell, you know, sandwiches unless it's lunchtime. So as long as you have a target audience there, you go and you speak and you share your knowledge. And also it's like, you know, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, he said, the guy's like, I always be selling, but it's like, you have to always be contenting. You always have to be writing and creating what I would believe to be the one topic focused, strongly opinionated, here's how to get to a good baseline advice, 
and articles. And you have to be like sharing that digitally and you have to be physically present with people. The big pop off for me where I really realized that now is the time I need to get this business launched is that I was at a conference in Los Angeles for MindBody, which is a very, it's like must be the number one software for the fitness industry for booking. They invited me out to come and speak and I went and I spoke on just 360 degree marketing, which is like a big topic to cover in an hour, but that's what they wanted. So I came and I said, here's 10 tips. Here's how you, you know, I just gave everybody a short shot on the keys to the five things they needed to do to bring their baseline, to bring their, their basic marketing up, you know, up level it a step or two. And that's the most you can give people in an hour. And then you walk the conference and you talk to them and it's a great opportunity to share your knowledge and see the response, right? It's almost like doing a live survey because after that conference, and that was the second one I had done or something, that's the one I really realized, wow, the, the first conference I did, people came up to me and said, oh my goodness, how do we work together? I'm so lost. I'm in this, in this business vertical that's SMB, like small, medium business in the fitness world, but I, I can't aff afford to hire someone full time. And uh, my niece who's in college, who's doing my social media for free, isn't getting any response <laughs> to it. And so how do I, how do I do this? Right. And of course there are plenty of people there that I say, you want to work together. This is how I work. This is my lead in product. This is what I cost. And there's plenty of people that just aren't ready. They're like, they don't have the dedicated time, number one, or number two, they don't have the dedicated funds. And that's okay. You still have to provide to that audience. Like if it's your passion, you have to provide to the audience and your targets really valuable free content because that's how they're going to get to know you. And that's how they're going to trust you. And that's how they're going to also learn and get their business up to a level that when they finally are ready to work with you, they're really ready. And you don't have to go through basic steps of one through 10 to get them to a place where you're like, let's dive in. Now you're paying me a good, you know, you're paying me my fees. So let's get into it, you know, and let's really give these people even more value when it's a one-on-one -on -one or some other kind of program. So I know that it doesn't always work for everyone because you can't travel everywhere on your own dime. But I think locally in the right groups and with the right communities, you just do outreach. And let, let me tell you, the first year I spoke for MindBody, I wrote them. I said, you guys have a massive conference that you do with every single studio owner, gym owner, CrossFit box owner that you service thousands of people. And you have Jillian Michaels, you know, as your keynote speaker. Well, I want to be a speaker at a conference like that. I don't, I don't know about you and your industry, but you find a conference with someone big like that speaking and you say, awesome, I want to be a part of it. What can I do? How can I help? And they were like, we'd love to have you. We're also short some fitness classes. And I said, how about you set me up to come speak, you sort out my details and then I'll teach a fitness class and then I'll speak. And they ended up using me to speak, putting me on a panel of best practices from their clients, talking about pricing, which no one ever wants to talk about money. So that was like something they were really happy. I was willing to talk about how to price your services and like that snowballed. And that's just, I went to them the first time and said, Hey, I know you don't know me personally. And I do have mind body software, but how can I get involved? How can I share my knowledge with your consumer base and just, that outreach, you know, you just have to keep doing it and doing it and doing it and people will start to respond at some point. Right. And then you grow your experiences, you grow what you share. Yeah, no, I love that. And then, you know, one appearance at the mind body conference all of a sudden opens up, I'm sure many, many more doors at other similar conferences. Yeah, for sure. Just people who, who are saying, Oh, you spoke there. That's great. You can come and speak with us or, you know, it gives, and it's just the clients, the clients are working on the same software that I'm working in. So we can speak the same language at a very base level when they're asking questions of me about how to tie their marketing into it. 
Well, here's a little anecdote that's kind of similar in terms of the result. I was recently on uh, one of the larger podcasts in the B2B marketing space, probably the biggest one, and uh, went on the show, went pretty well, I thought. The next day, I get an email from the host of the second largest B2B marketing podcast (laughs) saying, hey, great job, would love to have you on the show, right? So in a lot of cases, these communities are very small. If you get on stage, you know, whether that's the, you know, a physical stage or like a podcast or whatever it may be, but you, you get a presence on one of these big platforms, people notice and then they'll call you. And at the very least, if you reach out, you'll have that kind of credibility shield from the previous experience to use to get into the next one. Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely have clients that are in, you know, maybe they're doing nutrition and they're trying to get on. You always shoot for the stars, but there's usually someone that you can do a nice partnership with. You know, if you're talking about their new book and what you learn from it and sharing with your people, that person can either share with you or maybe they have a podcast they put you on. And I, I always, it's awesome that you got on, you know, it's like B2B number one podcast that really is going to help you shine. But you know, as well as anyone, you can't just give up on your first ask or your first call or whatever. You have to just keep rolling forward. And I think that perseverance piece is like, I guess that's what makes us, you know, entrepreneurs. Yeah. And I particularly love the fact that you went and started speaking, especially now I find a lot of people, they, they like to hide behind, you know, the, the computer screen, right? They want to try something digital, whether it's, you know, writing articles, blogging, video, and that's all good. But I feel like we're neglecting, you know, the old fashioned way, going to an event, going to a conference, even if it's not to speak at the beginning, but just to interact with your customers who are all congregating there. There's a ton of value in that. Oh, absolutely. It's like, and here's an example too, like the biggest fitness conference, not just for studio owners, but for, there are tons of B&B studio chain and also like digital fitness business owners, but there are plenty of students as well. The biggest conference in the country is Idea Fit and it's in Vegas in the summer and it's a little bit of pay to play and, and rightly so because they have such value and they help people really launch very, you know, they launch people. And for me to be able to go speak there, I would have to get in on a sponsorship dollar amount and as content that is just unaffordable to me, quite frankly. So, you know, I know that that fitness conference is really important and that I can, it's not always about like finding a way to make more money by getting more clients, but it's also about how do I interact with people in the fitness industry? Because every time I interact with even a person who's just a student and find out what they're looking for, that's insight for me as prowess as business owner to share with my clients. And if it's a studio owner, then it's absolutely like avatar insight for what I'm pitching. So I say, okay, idea, I can't afford necessarily to come in at some big level where I can have three seminars and I can do a whole big booth because it's not in my budget, but I can do a smaller booth and make myself known. If I'm a marketer and I'm going to put myself in an exhibitor's hall, I better damn well know how to make myself known, right? And that's part of like, you and I have talked sort of before this call about, you know, being a badass brand is you have to be able to put your foot and draw a line in the sand and say, here's where I can make a difference, right? So I'm, I'm going to that fitness show and I'm interacting with all the people at the conference, but I'm also setting up a booth where people can come and get free headshots, free lifestyle shots, because what I see as a big deterrent from some of my clients that I work with now is like, they just don't have recent pictures that are really good and solid and make sense. So how can I do that offering for free to anyone who wants it? And then also, you know, that creates an interaction point and it creates a beginning of trust because I'm offering something and asking for nothing. If they want to discover me, great. If they just want to come and get a great picture and feel really good because they leave with that, high resolution, you're on your way, you know, it's one more step, they can plug in that photo. And maybe when they're plugging that photo into their profiles or their website, 
they'll think about me and they'll think this is really a good value add, you know? And so I, I absolutely agree that, you know, you don't need to go to every single conference, but if you can speak at them or if you can go to the big, you know, the heavy hitters in your industry to win over, you know, hearts and minds, then you should get out there and, and shake hands and kiss babies. And you're right. It's like, we're all hiding behind a computer screen and it's, I think it makes you stand out even more when you're not afraid to get out there and do it, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Now let's talk a little bit about your badassery. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we have a common friend in Pia Silva. Pia was recently on the show as well. We talked about her new book. I'm a big fan of the approach. I'm a big fan of the book. And when P actually recommended that you come on the show as well, the second I took a look at your website and I went to your services page, I could tell you're a PS client. <laughs> yeah, you're, absolutely. You're implementing her services and pricing and sales model approach to a T. Tell me a little bit about what was the process like of implementing or packaging your services that way? And what are some of the benefits you found from that approach? Yeah. So when I went to her, I had a lot of ideas and a lot of different ways that I was pricing clients. And it wasn't the biggest challenge is many times in B2B, every single person you approach has a little bit of a different scenario. And so it was wonderful to work with her as a mentor to talk about this pricing, to talk about structure, to talk and see about the successes she was having and the failures she's learned from as well, right? Because we all have them. But here's where it works and here's best practices for this brand up process, which is the process, as you know, that Pia will work with you as a, as a new brand and, and creating a website. That process led me to understand one clear thing, and it's something that Pia talks about in her book, but it's also something that I've really seen plain in action, which is when the client's not your business-to-business -business contact or your client or your potential pitch, whoever it might be, is not 100% sure, which happens nine times out of 10, exactly what they need, or they think they need A and B, but they also need C, or they really don't need A, but and you know that over time you have to cultivate an understanding that they're going to need more than that. The number one thing you can do is say, here's the one of three buckets that I have as offerings. You always have one that's maybe a little bit more group focused or price conscious. You have one that's some way that you can work in your lead product that's direct with them. And then you have, you know, something for someone who's got more money, more time and really wants to blast their business and just like up level all their awareness, all of their profitability. And it's about creating profits for everyone, but it's about making your services attainable, number one. And the biggest thing I got was about the lead product. The biggest thing that I've learned is my one-on-one -on -one coaching with clients is a six-month commitment. And that can be if you are just meeting someone and you feel sort of comfortable with them, but you wish you had a little bit more of a way to, you know, have a little embrace, get a little hug, have a little handshake, spend a little time behind the scenes with them. Before you commit to that, you have to have a lead product that works, that isn't as daunting and that gives them enough experience, however. And mind you, it's, it also gives you as the owner of the business, as the coach or whatever your service offering is, it gives you an opportunity to get to know your potential client. And so my lead product is something I call the brand boost. And my brand boost is really spending 8, 10, 15 hours, depending on how many tentacles their business has, assessing the entire business with some of my team and then coming back with a really strong, and I like to try to do it in person if I can, or at least face-to-face -face on, on digital, um, coming back to them with a recommendation that will, if they decide that it's not a relationship they want to build on from there, that will give them at least a 90-day plan forward on how they can grow their business without having to even ever speak to me again, right? It's a list. I type up all the details, the notes, the recommendations. I give them 
some things to read. I give them, you know, I give them a ton of tools, software recommendations, telling them the things that I'm not 100% in love with maybe that they're doing. And then also say, take it and run with it, right? If you don't like something I'm saying, you're adamantly opposed to it, then certainly don't do it. But I have pretty much, I give a little explanation of why I, I list each recommendation. And that lead product is a way to be able to really get a little deep, a mini deep dive. And then I can see if the client's really interested in doing the work they say they're doing. And then the client can really see what I produce for them, how I make them more effective. And so that lead product being the driver to everything that I do, it's been sort of key in, in approaching clients and feeling like making the clients feel really comfortable, right? Because it's not like I'm saying, come and sign a big contract with me right off the bat. Now, do you find that it's also been effective in weeding out the real buyers from just the tire kickers and the window shoppers? Yeah. I mean, there's there's two pieces of that. The first piece is many people have are strongly opposed to listing pricing on their website, but I think it's important if you are a relatively high cost service to show people what you cost. To be transparent is so important in the market today. Now, I'm not saying you have to show pricing, but I chose to show pricing because I have a ton of people that will write me or say, hey, like whenever I do a big speaking engagement, I usually I offer one like I, I hate to say I raffle it off. I use a drip text campaign to highlight one business and then give them a, a complimentary brand boost, which is a 950 value and a lot of my time. And I'm happy to do it because not everybody can afford that. And I want to give back. But the capability to talk to people or do a 15 minute call to talk about the brand boost first or to just put the pricing on the website, which I think is step one for, in my opinion, it's like put the pricing on the website and someone will see, am I ready or I'm not ready? And that is either a finance or a time commitment. So it is, like I said, it's, I never approach it with them. I always say it gives us a chance to get to know each other, but I don't ever approach it with them. Like it's an interview for them as well as it's an interview for me. Um, but it is, it really is, you know? And so if they look at my pricing and they say, okay, maybe, and they call me for, to talk for 15, 20 minutes about doing a brand boost, it's really, that's the foray into it. And then the brand boost is really the big interview because I give them some tasks to do. And I'll be very frank with you without naming names. There's clients that come to me to do the brand boost. And I'm obviously trying to do research on their business so I can find so much stuff. And there's some things that they only they know, their goals, their current sales, their, how they're using mind, body software, et cetera. And sometimes I ask for those things and I don't even get them. And so I know at that point that maybe I'm working with a client that is either strapped for time or, you know, I never hold it personally against them, but they're strapped for time or they're not able to kind of pull it together in the way that they need to in order to actually take leaps and bounds in their business by working with me. And the last thing I want and the last thing you want and the last thing anyone wants is working with a client that actually can't commit to something and really follow it through because in the long run, they're not happy and you're not successful as a business owner. So it's a great opportunity to be able to sort of what I would say, hold that interview for, for mutually beneficial. Is this a mutually beneficial relationship? Amazing. Let's work together. Cause I don't want someone to give them me their money and then not, you know what I mean? And then not get value out of it. Right. It's just like throwing money against the wall. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've got two more questions for you, Kristen. Sure. In your mind, what's the hardest thing about running your own small service business? Absolutely. By far it's the solopreneur thing. And by that, I mean, it is the, I have a very small team I work with, we work together and it's great, but it's very different than having a big team and feeling like you're all together and you're keeping each other motivated. And when Tony has a bad day and Stephanie has a good day, they balance each other out and they cheer each other on. And 
for me, the piece of it that's the hardest in that regard is the back end of the business, right? It's like I plug in all my own software, create my own campaigns. I have to hire little like freelancers and people who work with the specific software that I choose to use to upgrade it, to make it look better, to have it more visual appeal, because I'm not an expert and will never be an expert in every single area of digital marketing. And the last thing I want to become is a coder or, you know, backend software expert. And I'm here to help, you know, real people in the real world of fitness. So that's for me, that's the biggest challenge because sometimes it's midnight and I'm still trying to tweak the last bits of code to get the back of the screen to turn purple because it's green. You know, it's just all those little things I add up. And I'm sure I'm not the only one facing that challenge. No, no, you're certainly not. As, as much as people love to talk about outsourcing and not doing the kind of things that you're not good at or you don't have the skill set in, sometimes as an entrepreneur, you've got to be able to just get your hands dirty and figure something out. There's no way around it. Well, yeah. And think about if I didn't set up any of my own accounts in some regard, or if I wasn't testing CRM all the time and switching brands and switching my software around or over, when a client comes to me and says, I can't figure out how to get my automated newsletters going for MailChimp, then I couldn't, how would I advise them, right? How would I coach them? How would I give them some good solutions? So it's a, it's definitely a necessary evil. And it's also the thing that keeps me going when I'm really like, oh, I just can't figure this one out. You know, how am I going to do it? And then it, it kind of keeps me going because I know that the end game isn't just about making my business better, but it's about making the businesses that I work with, make, making their business more successful. Well, last question, and hopefully this is what keeps you going. What is the best thing about running your own services business? The best thing is like the freedom of choice. I really get the opportunity to work with, and I'm fortunate like that because I, like you mentioned earlier, I had to really switch networks and grow clients in a different way. And I still work on that every week, but I get the opportunity and the ability to sort of to work with the people that I choose and the people who sort of choose me in the right time and the right moment for their business. And you know, it's, it's, Maybe some people would say it's not a big goal to get a million people healthy, but for me, that's a really big goal. And that's a passion that I get to fulfill by working in my own business, on my own terms, with people that really want to get the work done. And so I get to choose, you know, when you work for someone else, you don't always get to choose. And even if bad things come my way, they're my responsibility. I choose, okay, I'm going to take this on. And then I just create an opportunity to move forward and try to turn it into a success or learn very quickly. You know, I'm a big believer in the statement, like fail faster. You just got to, if you're going to fail, fail faster, like fail as fast as you can. So you can figure out what that one, you know, piece of framework is that needs to be shifted or, or tweaked, learn from it, share all that knowledge and move forward. And you really get, that's like the best, you know, it's like the, you have the freedom to fail and you have them the freedom to choose. And hopefully eventually you get the freedom to really win and succeed. And that's why I love working for myself and working in my own services business. Awesome. Well, Kristen, I love what you're doing. It is so refreshing to speak to somebody who's building something not to make a million dollars, but to help a million people. So kudos to you for that. And I wish you all the success in the world. Thank you so much. And don't forget that Pia and I are doing a retreat in October is called Fit for Business, which is how to plug in all this badass branding and all of this business acumen for the fitness world, which you can find out about my website at prowess.co. There you go, prowess.co. If you are a fitness business owner, you got to talk to Kristen and attend the retreat. Prowess.co. Thank you so much again, Kristen, for coming on the show. Absolutely. I'll speak to you soon. Have a great one. You too. 